Hey everyone, welcome back to episode three of the Lumbar Trucking Podcast. Glad to be here. I do want to apologize for recording a little late. I know I like to have these out weekly and I would like them to come out towards the beginning of the week, really prime you up for the rest of your week. But I was home this past weekend in Austin, Texas. I was enjoying the new house that my wife and I have just moved into as well as enjoying a little bit of spooky festivities this weekend on 6th Street. I hope everybody else had a happy Halloween and partied hard and was able to uh, maybe scare your neighbors or like that. But good to be back here out on the road making some coin. When we last left off, I had just finished up CDL school and I was getting ready to start work at Pam Transport. But before I go into PAM Transport, I want to backtrack to November of 2018, mainly because what happened in my life starting in November 2018 is where I started building habits that carry with me today, that are with me on the road, uh, and that basically make my quality of life as a driver better. And it all started back in November of 2018. Now, I got engaged in July of 2018 as well. So, you, as you know, you know, the preparations for a wedding soon to start. I'm thinking about dropping weight for the wedding coming up. And in my head, here's what I think I was going to do. I was like, you know what? Probably work out a little bit, do what I can, maybe cut out some beer And then like three months before the wedding, I'll do keto and just drop weight like super quick and I'll look halfway decent for the wedding. And if what, and if November never happened the way it did, that might've been what had happened. And it's unfortunate because what happened is, is I lost a good friend of mine. His name is Matt Brown. And we were, we were, I'd say very close. We're the same age. We're in the same unit in the Marine Corps. We both deployed together. We we're in the same area and we got along great in a lot of ways. He was like the down south version of me in a way. He was the Bama version of Mike Lombard. Awesome kid. He was a friend to anybody. He'd go out of his way for you. There's just there's not enough I could say about Matt Brown. But one thing I will say is. This motherfucker was a meathead. This guy was made of 100% USDA certified beef. I'm talking, this kid's fucking ripped. And we were in Afghanistan. We used to bang weights all the time. This dude could fucking bench. He could he could do it all. I mean, he was jacked. And even after we got out of the Marines, I mean, this guy still fucking pumped iron like you wouldn't believe. He he loved it. I mean, it kept him it kept him going. It was a motivation for him. Fitness was a big deal for Matt. And in November, I had found out from another friend that he had passed away. And it was a huge wake-up call, big time in my life and just in general. At the time I'm 28, you know, you're starting to see your 30s approaching. I have a wedding coming, thinking about the future. And I start thinking to myself, really, what what would Matt Brown want for me? If how you know if he if if he can come back and see me I'd want him to see me thriving. He'd want to see me working out. He'd want to see that happening. And that's kind of what happened. I immediately started going to CrossFit. I started banging into some weights. I started getting into a nice routine. I went through a couple neck strains and normal types of uh, injuries that may come with CrossFit. When that would happen, that's when I started looking at the dieting aspect. I started changing up my diet. I didn't just go to keto or whatever. I started looking at calories, doing those sorts of things. They're very tedious. It's really annoying, but necessary if you want to drop weight. I got married on September 21st, 2019, almost a year after Matt Brown had passed away, uh, 10 months, so uh, basically you could say, and from November... 2018 to my wedding day I was 275 pounds at the time of his passing and I was 220 on my wedding day it's an accomplishment that I'm very proud of but on top of it I know it's something that Matt would have been proud of too now a few months later in December the Peloton had entered my life so did cardio 
with doing the Peloton all the time, I had a desire to ride a regular road bike, you know, like a cycling bike. We're still in Connecticut at the time. And so it's cold. So I'm waiting to buy a road bike because I'm not going to ride it in the snow. COVID hits and all the bikes start getting sold in March, right around the time I want to start riding a bike. But also the same time as if you've been following along the story that we also decide we're going to move and that I have committed to getting and wanting my CDL. I end up finding a road bike on Facebook Marketplace, a great deal. Yale student was moving to Virginia and he had it originally listed for, I, I, I don't know, I forget what he had told me, but I bought it for $300 because he was moving the next day. So it's just lucky. And it, anybody out there, if you're looking for anything like that, like a bicycle, a road bike, a good mountain bike, if you scour Facebook Marketplace or any of those online marketplaces you you just got to be on them every day and eventually you'll find something because somebody's just going to need to get rid of something that quick so a little little sales tip for you on the side so i started getting into cycling i love it it's fun you can cover a lot of ground you can take scenic rides it's great by this time i am now very comfortable and sort of starting to like cardio again before that Besides CrossFit and doing some of the interval training that comes along with CrossFit, the only cardio that I've been doing is playing some men's league hockey. Other than that, who the fuck loves to run or even wants to spend money on a bike? I mean, because bikes are expensive, so who wants to go cycling? And not only that, everybody fucking hates cyclists anyways. There's a million YouTube videos about wanting to hit cyclists with cars. Regardless, moving on. We get to Texas. Like I said, I had about a month and a half before I started CDL school. I did a bunch of cycling down there, but I knew in the back of my mind, I'm going to be behind the wheel of a truck soon. I don't know how that life is going to be yet. I'm unsure of the day-to-day. I've asked, I've watched a couple of YouTube videos, but you, you're never going to really know until you get behind the wheel with the company you're with or depending on the routes you're on, etc. So I knew at the end of the day, okay, I can't take this bike with me but running is free all you need are shoes and it basically just needs to stay above 32 degrees and you can get a good jog in so i started to do that i forced myself into doing this because i knew running was going to be have to it was going to have to be a part of how i stayed in good shape lucky for me running started to get a little bit easier and I was able to cover more distances. It is now the main focus of the fitness I try to do on the road. I'll sometimes incorporate some kettlebell and resistance band workouts, but for the most part, I am trying to run half marathons, marathons, and continue to do that. I wish I could do more Olympic lifts and bench press as much as Matt Brown could, but I knew no matter what, and every time I go for a run, I know He's fucking smiling down at me and he's pumped to see me have the extreme ownership to take care of my physical fitness and my health and wellness. And like I said, I built the good eating habits too. While I'm out here on the road, I have an air fryer, I grocery shop, I cook all my own food. I do these things. All of these habits started because of what happened in November of 2018. And it's tragic. And I don't like that that's what it took but that's sometimes what it takes to make that change. And I thank Matt for it every single day. Now, on to Pam Transport. I want this episode to not only be just another part of my story as becoming an over-the-road truck driver, but also a 100% honest and candid review of what it's like being a company driver for Pam. Let's start from the beginning. Who is Pam Transport? It's right from their Wikipedia page. Pam Transportation Services is an irregular route over the road trucking company that is based in Tonatown, Arkansas. Founded in April 1980, Pam's current service area covers the Lower Continental 48 as well as the southern parts of Ontario, Canada. In the early 90s, Pam began providing transportation services to Mexico under agreements with several Mexican trucking carriers. Now, I could tell you firsthand as a company driver, at least as an American company driver, we are not allowed to go into Mexico because it is not considered safe. Don't ask me why. Couldn't tell you. Don't know anything about it. Pam Transport is a publicly traded company under the NASDAQ ticker of PTSI. Pam Transport 
serves clients primarily in the automotive, manufacturing, and retail industries, and its primary freight consists of general commodities, automotive parts, and heating and air conditioning units. According to the Hoover's financial data on this company, Pam's company name stands for Pretty Awesome Mileage. We'll cover that later. Yet, according to the company's own frequently asked questions on their website, Pam is short for the company founder's initials of Paul Allen Maestri. Some real riveting information, I know. Now comes me, my time to shine. I got picked up by my trainer. Actually, let me go back. Let me tell you about their their training program because I left that out. I told you they have company-sponsored training and I'll read it to you right from the Wikipedia page itself. Pam Transport adopted a way to develop properly trained, safety-conscious truck drivers. I love safety, you know me through a sponsorship training program. Since 1992, Pam Transport has offered a company-sponsored CDL training program for entry-level drivers through a partnership with the Driver Solutions Network. Through this program, Pam Transport sponsors its students upfront training costs to attend a partner truck driving school and provides an entry-level driving position to drivers once they successfully complete a CDL training. To date, Pam has introduced over 14,000 new drivers to the trucking industry. Now, I've met other PAM drivers. They've gone through Driver Solutions, their schools. Some went to schools in Indianapolis. My setup was different. So technically, a, a student loan, which you know I'm afraid of, was taken out in my name. I had designed for it through some fucking loan company from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And so the loan was taken out in my name. But for every month I worked at PAM, PAM would pay on that loan. Okay. Back forward, I get picked up by my trainer. I get picked up by a gentleman named Zach on October 9th of 2020. So that's considered my day one of driving. Zach was currently working primarily. His job was a dedicated route that went from Arlington, Texas to Laredo, Texas, up and down Interstate 35. It was for General Motors. He would bring up product that came over from Mexico bring a trailer up to the General Motors plant in Arlington, Texas. Arlington is right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. It's actually where the Cowboys Stadium is. And then he would drop off the load there. They would live unload him, meaning they would take the material off the trailer while he was at the door. And then they would actually reload him with empty racks. And racks were what the equipment he was hauling were packaged on he would then take those racks back to laredo that trailer would then bounce back over the border get refilled with more product so on and so forth that's the cycle so off the rip i'm actually kind of pissed about this because i know for a fact i'm getting into otr trucking i wanted to be over the road and the mentor i'm with is on a dedicated route so all we're doing is just going up and down 35 and it it actually looking back it wasn't a bad thing i got familiar with the peterbilt truck that he was in i got to learn uh, backing into docks it, it was actually good to start that slow and set and going to the same place over and over again so where i was mad at first i learned that it wasn't that bad of a thing i got to learn about what it's like going into a, the pam one of pam's terminals which is in laredo laredo so when we'd go to Laredo, it was a PAM yard and facility. So I learned all about entering and exiting there, backing a trailer into the yard. Like I said, at this point, all I've done to back up a trailer is just to pass the CDL test. When you pass the CDL test, they don't teach you how to back into a dock and they don't teach you how to back a trailer into a yard where there's trailers all next to each other. And you've got to fit that 53 foot trailer in between two trailers it's also your first shot parking at truck stops to sleep for the night. You don't learn that in school. All you're learning in school is how to back up into the cones and pass the test. So off the rip, actually, and by the end of the week, I was like, okay, and I started to get comfortable. So looking back, it was a good thing. Then Zach and I were at the GM plant one night, and this is, it's funny because any truck driver now will just tell you, hey, man, that's trucking. That's just how it is sometimes. And we were at the GM plant in Arlington. And we were at the dock for, it was like four and a half hours. 
And Zach and I were actually kind of nodding off, just taking a nap, waiting for the light on the dock to go uh, green so we can pull out. And we're waiting, waiting. Finally, I wake up and I check my watch and I wake Zach up. I was like, Zach, you got to fucking call somebody, dude. Like, th- this is kind of bullshit. Like, I know, like, we're supposed to wait. He's just like, oh, yeah, man. So he calls. We wait probably about another hour. Some phone calls get made. Finally, it, everything gets worked on. We we go to leave. We end up going to one of the Pam yards in Irving. We find a, and we're able to sleep there for the night. The next day, though, Zach, my trainer, was absolutely furious about this. He he didn't like it at all. He's like, dude, I'm getting off this fucking dedicated run. We're gonna go OTR. Let's let's go out there and you know see the country. Now I'm frothed up. I'm juiced up. Finally, we're about to get out there, do the damn thing, get to see some get to see some of the countryside. Pumped. Part of the reason why I wanted wanted to do this job in the first place is unlimited paid for travel, right? So the following week, we get right on the road. We got a load right to Indiana, and it was cool. We we got loaded in Ohio with parts for Caterpillar, and it went to the a Caterpillar plant in Indiana. Caterpillar meaning like the bulldozers and buckets you see at construction sites. And then coming back to round out my training, which was two weeks, we got a load full of Dodge Ram transmissions diesel uh diesel transmissions and we took those all the way back from the midwest all the way back down to laredo and those transmissions will go into mexico where then trucks will be assembled look don't get me started we don't need to talk about the supply chain and why certain trucks should be made in america if you know me you know obviously yeah i'd love if those dodge rams were made in the u.s i don't fucking call these shots (laughs) okay but that's that's for a whole other podcast now we're back in laredo it's time for me to upgrade get into my own truck but before i continue i need to at least tell you about the electronic blog so that way you understand what the fuck i'm talking about for any other episode you want to listen to or for to understand a little bit more information about driving a commercial vehicle so basically this has to do with your electronic log your, your clock the hours you're allowed to drive and work and in the simplest way to say it, so you have a 14-hour working clock, meaning if I was to start my clock at 7 a.m., I cannot work past 9 p.m. No matter what, you cannot, your clock cannot go past 9 p.m., you will be in violation. Within those 14 hours, you're allowed to drive for 11 of them. Once your 11 and 14 run low, the only way to reset them is to shut down for 10 consecutive hours. You need to take your 10 hour break, that clock refills. Now on top of that, you also have a 70 hour clock. And basically for every hour you're driving or you're considered on duty, which could be when you're getting loaded, unloaded, fueling, that time, once that gets close to 70 hours to reset your 70 hour clock you need to shut down for 34 hours in a sense it's almost a government mandated weekend however you can continue to roll without your 70 running out by doing what's called running on recaps now what that is is basically you don't need to drive all 11 hours in a day not all drivers do and sometimes it's not smart it's how you can burn yourself out So what people sometimes do is they'll drive anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half hours a day. You basically got to keep it under under nine hours if you want to do it successfully. Eight hours and 45 minutes. You'll you'll drive that much a day. And then then on the eighth day at midnight, all of the hours you didn't drive will then recap onto your 70 so you can keep driving without having to take a 34 hour restart. Okay, now it's time to hit the road, get to get to work. I get introduced to my driver manager. It's a young woman named Christina. She tells me about how happy she is. I'm working for Pam. She just heard nothing but good things for my training. My trainer had to send up reports every night about how well I'm doing, how well I'm grasping the backing, everything like that. She had heard from the training department that looks like I'm going to be a good driver. Like I said, she was looking forward to work with me. Couldn't wait to you know get some miles in, get some good trips quick roadblock off the rip though none of the outlets in the back of my truck worked uh whatever i had to get up to irving basically needed a fuse got that fixed right away 
first load it's going to montebello california i'm pumped i haven't been out west since 2016 on a road trip that i was on i couldn't wait to get out there and see the desert again not only that like i told you from the wikipedia profile they said that pam for pam stands for pretty awesome miles right off the cup the cup these are some pretty awesome miles this is over a thousand mile trip from irving to montebello california montebello is near los angeles if you've ever seen the movie den of thieves the uh, group of bank robbers Miriam was the guy's name who was the robber and gerard butler plays big nick there's a scene where the the bank robbers are robbing a bank in montebello and it's like a trap they're trying to trick big nick into thinking that's when they want to rob when really they're going to try to rob the federal reserve or whatever the fuck I don't have to go back. Sick movie. So that's my first trip. Uh, I'm pretty nervous, honestly. Like I said, we got these clocks. We got to be written. You know, we got to be slaves to. You know, I don't want to. And I don't want to screw anything up. But because I had to get my truck fixed, I ended up leaving leaving at a, an odd time to get started. And I told you about the clock, so you can't work past 14 hours. Ideally, and this is what my trainer said, what you want to be able to do is wake up really fucking early so that way when it comes time for your clocks running out it's still early in the afternoon and you can find a parking spot at a truck stop well guess what that's not how it was panning out i am in west texas which by the way it's absolutely gorgeous out there windmills galore i mean you're in oil country and it is just you know it's it's a beautiful beautiful landscape it's starting to get dark I have a GPS. It tells me where there's truck stops nearby. I'm in panic mode. I'm in under an hour, fucking sweating here. You know, I, I I'm, you know, because I'm like, because this clock doesn't stop running, and there's no way for me to like stop it. You can't just fucking pull over. It's not like a car. You can't just pull off the highway. I roll through like three truck stops. They're all fucking full. Finally, I'm actually rolling through a town. It's a town called Sierra Blanca, Texas. And I see a banner right at this intersection, and it's for some restaurant. It says they got truck parking. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I make the turn, and I go, and lo and behold, it's a little Mexican restaurant. And it's got an open dirt lot in the back. And I'm like, thank fucking God. And I go, and I go inside. I get a nice-ass meal. It was awesome. Uh, I, it you know, sweat off my back. You know, last thing you want to do is fuck up on your first day at work. I woke up that next morning. I went for a six-mile run. It was gorgeous. Sun was rising. I, you know, I ran towards this hill and just came back. I was pumped up. And uh, I keep going. I make it on. I get, I end up getting to Montebello, California. And so, like I said, when I first started with Zach, we were going back and forth to laredo to arlington when we would get to laredo all we would do is drop the trailer and hook to a loaded one and take that back up the only time we were getting live loaded and unloaded was in arlington i had assumed that pam was all live load unload i didn't understand this drop and hook thing and the way your load comes over on the qualcomm in your truck it's hard to read off the off the bat and I wasn't even looking for that. I had assumed that I was getting live unloaded. And I was at this like kind of like outdoor warehouse. This guy tells me, oh, man, it's going to it's gonna take me eight hours before I get your trailer. And I'm like, what? I had no fucking idea what this guy was like, eight hours. You got to get out of here. He's like, yeah, man, most of the time people come here, they just drop it off and they grab an empty one. There's, there's empties over there. I'm like, empty? But where am I going to take an empty? This is how how new I am to it. Because literally, you need an empty if you, if you want to get get a new load. And so basically, I call my DM. I'm sweating. I'm like, you know, is this how it's supposed to be? And you know, she calms me down. It's normal. And then I actually needed to ask her another question, and I called her back five minutes after she tells me it's all just a drop and hook. And we speak on the phone, and I give her my driver number, and I tell her what truck I am. And here's where it kind of starts to get weird. And this is where I noticed the okay this could be pam's biggest flaw communication i literally talked to her i must have got off the phone three minutes before i got her back on the phone and i give her my driver number and my truck number again and it's almost like she forgets who i am and i'm like 
and I and I almost want to say that I almost want to be like, I I was just talking to you. You don't you don't remember? And she was like, oh right right right. Uh, yeah yeah okay. And then Michael yeah. And I was like, you know I wanted to say something. I was like, you know whatever. She must have a lot of drivers or something. I was taking it on the chin. So it ends up getting figured out. I hook to the empty. And then at that point, I'm just waiting for another load. What ends up happening is I need to go bring that empty to Arizona. And I'm going to drop the empty there, grab a loaded one, and that's going back to Laredo. I'm pretty sure. And this was the first really fucking cool experience I had trucking. And, and it's something I knew I was going to do in the future. And it's when I had the opportunity to see somebody or see something, I'm going to take it. We're the drivers. We're the ones out there on the road. We're the ones who are away from home. If you have an opportunity to do something, I, I got to do it. I, I don't want to miss out on it. I got a friend who lives in Phoenix, a buddy of mine, Zach, a kid from my unit who I served with. And I got to hang out with him in downtown Phoenix and we had dinner and it was fucking awesome. Now, it's impossible to go into detail about every single mile of every single load I've been on. But a general synopsis is I started bouncing around from there, taking loads from Phoenix back to Texas, this from Laredo out to Louisiana. There's a lot of warehouses and places I've been to in Mississippi, Missouri, Indiana, a lot going on in Indiana. I can tell you that right off the rip and I'll get there in just a little bit. And I'm learning as I go along that the best <laughs> the best times driving for Pam is Monday through Friday. If it's Monday through Friday between 7 and 5 p.m., it is great because you can get a hold of somebody. Your Whether it's your DM or another driver manager who's right next to them. And the communication flows pretty decently. You can get a question answered, an issue solved. I'm not going to lie, for a company with thousands of trucks and trailers, between 7 and 5, they're fucking great. After 5 o'clock and on weekends, you are fucked. P-H-ucked. It's, it, it, it'll be mind-numbing. You'll be waiting to talk to somebody for a long time. And actually, there's a Facebook page for PAM Transport Drivers, and there's a lot of people on it. And this is where I give PAM a lot of credit because... Overall, if I were to say something, Pam started out tough, and by the time I was done at Pam, it was becoming a lot better. But I got to see some of the rough parts of people being told to grab an empty someplace. There was no empties, and people would go on this Facebook page and try to talk to other drivers and figure things out. Employees started joining that Facebook page, and that's what actually started to help the problems. I mean, me, myself, I was sent to go grab an empty in Indianapolis once and another Pam driver was hooking to it as I got into that warehouse's yard and I was fucking furious. It was like eight o'clock at night. I'm thinking about where I'm going to park. I got less than two hours left on my clock. I need this fucking empty because I got a load I'm supposed to pick up tomorrow. It's getting a little dicey. Okay, whatever. Like I said, I, I've been told this is, how, this is how it is. This is your first year trucking. There's shit you got to get used to. And I did. I, you know, you, you, you fucking dealt with it. There's nothing you can do. I mean, what am I going to do? Be an immature fucking bitch and just abandon the truck on the side of the road? Because there's people who do that. And guess what? I bet you they don't fucking get very far in the rest of their life. But whatever. That's on them. So you get the fuck over it. But the communication thing is something that should be important and has got a lot better at Pam as time went on. I had one last hiccup really when it came to the communication and all of a sudden I was in Ohio and I was given a load to take from a Coca-Cola plant in Huber Heights, which is right outside uh, Dayton, Ohio. And it was going back and forth from Cincinnati to Huber Heights. It's only about like 65 miles uh, up and down, straight shot. And I and I got that load and I took it up to Huber Heights. And then they wanted me to bring an empty from Huber Heights back down to Cincinnati. And then on, it was like a Friday, I want to say, and I was low on my 70. I knew I had to reset. 
my driver manager, Christina, had thanked me for helping out another driver manager with some backed up freight that he had on this one specific lane for Coca-Cola. It was called the Red Classic Lane. And I was just like, okay, awesome. I do my reset. I was at a pilot somewhere in Ohio. And all I did, was, and I was actually fucking bored out of my mind. Pam hooked it up. I got to stay in a motel because they were like, yeah, if you want to stay in a motel, let us know. There, there's one right next to where you're staying. I end up staying in this motel. And I end up going for a walk around this like really small town in Ohio itself. I'm not going to lie. It's like a, it's like the Midwest Connecticut out there. Every town kind of looks like Naugatuck or Derby, <laughs> something like that. My reset's up and then I get a load again on Monday. And it's the fucking same thing. I'm taking another trailer from Cincy to Tuber Heights. And I do that for another day. And I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm letting her, I was like, okay, I'm still, I still packed on. Like, I was still able to do like 400 something miles that day, whatever. Moving forward, it's the next day. And I'm like, hey, why am I still doing this? And then the guy's like, oh, you're, you're on my, and then Christina doesn't respond to me. It's some other guy. This is on the Qualcomm messaging back and forth. He's like, oh, yeah, you're on this. Uh, you're on my lane now. I was like, what? I was like, I was told I was just fucking helping out. And so I call, I get a hold of Christina and I'm talking. To her. I was just like, why? I was like, why am I on this dedicated lane? I was like, this is going 60 miles back and forth. It digs into my 14, you know, and I'm being polite. I'm not cussing. I'm not talking like I'm talking right now. But she's like. Oh, well, I mean, you could still get X amount of miles a day. I was like, I was like, honestly, I was like, I'd love to do this lane if I lived in Ohio. I was like, I don't even live here. And she's like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll get you taken off it. And uh, I'll figure something out. Okay. Chance of figuring something out. I get a load in Ohio that goes to, it's going to Seymour, Indiana. And she tells me from there that I'm going to drop a load. Sorry, let me backtrack. I'm taking a trailer to a Pam Transport yard in Indianapolis. And then she said from there, I'm going to Bobtail, which means drive without a trailer, down to Seymour, Indiana, to a Walmart distribution center. She then tells me I'm going to be on a Walmart dedicated lane. And I had heard some people on the Facebook page talking about it. I heard some good, heard some bad. Regardless, I'm eager. And I dropped the trailer off in Indianapolis. I go down to Seymour. I had to sit in, watch this like little 25-minute video about basically how everything was going to run with Walmart. Then I was told to come back the next day. At this moment is when things started getting substantially better with Pam. You get a bump in pay for doing this Walmart dedicated. Sick. I had a gentleman by the name of Logan reach out to me, tell me he's now my new driver manager. Awesome guy. Big fan of Logan. Him and I are connected on LinkedIn. We still keep in touch. Logan, I hope you're listening to the podcast. You're the fucking man. Congrats on the promotion, dude. You absolutely deserve it. Appreciate all your hard work and everything you did to help me out. Moving forward. So when it comes to driving for Walmart, and I'm fascinated by how simple and how great and easy and smooth Walmart's supply chain runs. Basically, I checked in the next day. Here's what you do. You give them your drive. You go into their dispatch office. You give them your driver ID. You tell them how many hours are left on your 11 and 70. So, for example, you walk in. You're fresh. I have 11 hours, and I'm at 70. They say, okay, have a seat. Wait a little bit, grab a cup of coffee, shoot the shit with some of the other drivers. Every Walmart driver I've met, by the way, is the fucking man. <laughs> all super nice, all willing to help you out, give you all the info in the world. There's other PAM drivers there. We're shooting the shit. And then they'll call you back up and they give you a trip sheet. And a basic synopsis of what a trip sheet would look like is I'm going to go out and they'll say, you're going to grab trailer one, two, three, four, five. It's located in this part of the lot. It is going to go to Walmart store this. Here is the address. From there, there's an empty in front of one of the other bays. You're going to grab an empty and you're going to go to this vendor we have in this town, which could be somewhere else in Indiana, Ohio, or Kentucky, wherever. 
and you're going to go to this customer and you're going to drop off an empty and they have a load for us there and then you're going to take this to the dc in washington courthouse ohio and then from there that's where your trip will finish you'll go and check in you'll get a new one i'm like holy fuck, this is awesome <laughs> so you go you pick up the trailer you go to a walmart store what's awesome is you got the walmart trailer so it's a parking free pass you basically could park at any walmart without having to ask the manager but it also would help me out because i was able to conveniently grocery shop easier now fucking double win so you do you go to a walmart store you take the bills you tuck it right on the back latch you just back the trailer up to the door unhook from that trailer hook to the empty and then you'll just drive and then take the empty to let's say it could be food warehouse this could be a general merch just a, a warehouse with shoes anything any sort of walmart vendor or customer could be gatorade water you name it and you'll grab a trailer loaded with that and i'll bring that to the another distribution center and basically when you run out of seymour indiana it's a regional position so i would go all the way up into illinois wisconsin minnesota come back down to Indiana, also go into Kentucky, Ohio, and in parts of Western Virginia. And that's basically where you run. And Walmart would keep you on a schedule. They'd, they'd send you out for five days, and then they you'd be back for two. So they let you get a, a, a nice weekend. For me, it was set during the week, but I got to do a lot of stuff. I rented a car, got to stay in a few hotels down in Louisville, ex- explored Louisville and got to see Muhammad Ali's grave. I got to visit another friend I was in the Marine Corps with who lives out a little east of Louisville. It was it was an awesome time. What made it so great was my communication with Logan was always open and it was easy to get a hold of him. And Walmart's communication was also open. The lines of communication were good. I was enjoying this. Logan would call me every now and then. He'd just want to check out how I'm doing. Literally. That's the best part about this job when it comes to trucking is you're not getting your neck fucking breathed down all the time. People, for the most part, leave you the fuck alone. And it's great. And But he would call me and literally just ask how I'm doing. He wants to make sure that I'm happy. As you might know, drivers can kind of go anywhere now. Drivers can buy their own fucking truck if they want to. It's free. It's one of those types of industries. So companies do want to make sure drivers are happy. So he would call and ask how I'm doing. I decided to shoot my shot. I ask Logan, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm loving this. You know, if there's anything like this in Texas, let me know. I Because, I, you know, I live in Austin. It would be cool if I can get back home a little bit easier, you know, if, if I'm asking for it. He goes, hey, we got a D.C. We work out of in New Braunfels. I think they might be opening up sometime in March. This is March 2021 he's talking about. I'm going to write your name down and we'll be in touch. January comes around. I'm expecting March. January comes around. He goes, hey, man, I got I, Mike, I got your name written down. New Braunfels needs 25 drivers. You know, whenever you're whenever you're ready, you can finish up your Walmart trip, scoot right out of there, and I'll fucking get you a load right back down to Texas. I, I'm ecstatic. And the, it was it was awesome. I'm I'm pumped up. Get down to New Braunfels, and yeah, I mean, I was basically working a regional job. I got myself on a schedule where I was basically Sunday through Thursday or Monday through Friday or Tuesday to Saturday having weekends, and I didn't leave Texas too much. I would go up to Tennessee a little bit, Louisiana, Oklahoma, shooting around at Walmarts. I got to learn a lot about I-35, Dallas-Fort Worth, and go to some of the vendors there, moved a lot of water. And one of my favorite parts about doing Walmart Dedicated was last February when the Texas freeze happened. This was that moment where I really felt like, you know, I was serving again. Like I had mentioned in the first episode, my biggest regret was getting out of the military. When the freeze happened, I couldn't be more fucking excited about it. Um, because I knew it was going to happen because it's the, because of the, the weather predictions. And I could tell you about it from my point of view. So 
what had happened was on, let me make sure I'm getting this right. So for a week, about five days, starting on a Monday, it was fucking cold, Texas, below freezing. It was below 32 every single day. And then there was ice on a Thursday. And then there was a huge 100 car pileup, 100 plus car pileup in Fort Worth on 35W. Fort Worth. I was in Dallas that morning when it happened. I actually had to get loaded in Dallas and I was supposed to take that trailer to Searcy, Arkansas. And I had heard about that accident on 35. I was like, oh shit. It was all over Facebook, Twitter. I watched the videos. I mean, it was horrible. Horrible. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, we're not used to this. In fucking New England, Connecticut, they're pre-treating the roads. Shit ain't happening. So I get loaded. I'm thinking, okay, maybe they've got some sand out there. It's got to be all right. I'm looking to get on I-30 and head east. I go to take a left to get onto I-30. I feel the tractor slip. I say, nope, I'm not even trying it. It's ice. This isn't even snow. I pull into a Walmart that's right off the highway, luckily. There's like four or five trucks in the lot, too. And I just sit and wait, and I monitor the CB radio and check Twitter checking the weather because I want to I, I do want to leave so I could get get the miles in get get this load delivered and also get out of Texas I get on the radio I'm on the radio hey is it good is it good is it good finally in the afternoon it must have been like three four in the afternoon somebody's like yeah man it's good it's clear it's clear cool get on I-30 I'm in northeast Dallas up in Garland at the time about to cross the Roy Hubbard Bay Right before that bridge, a fucking tractor trailer jackknifes and he busts his fuel tank open, dumps fuel over the highway, all lanes closed. Ended up sitting there forever. While I'm sitting, my fucking check engine light comes on. And I'm like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Finally, the traffic clears. I, you know, I have a headset. I'm calling Pam's Road Rescue. I was like, hey, my check engine light's on. They're like, oh, I, it, it looks like it's your fuel filter. I go to a TA in Rockwall, Texas. I end up getting the TA. I get the fuel filter fixed. My check engine light's still on. I call Road Rescue back. They're like, oh, it looks like you you have a, a it looks like a fuel sensor. Hey, look, you can try to make it to Arkansas, but if you shut down, you know, it's going to have on the books that we told you to go back to Irving and, you know, get that fuel sensor fixed. So I'm like, ah, oh, oh, you know, roadblock. At the same time, I got to remember, everyone tells me like, yo, this is trucking. You're going to get that. You're going to get it. I go back to Irving. It's Friday. I get back there sometime around like noon. You know, they tell me there's eight trucks in front of me. And I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. I know I'm going to be sitting for the weekend. I mean, they give you a little, they give you a couple bucks for maintenance, layover pay, whatever. Walmart gets the trailer repowered. Somebody, a Walmart driver ends up coming and they take that to Arkansas. My truck's going to sit in the shop. That weekend actually was a lot of fun friend of mine from high school shout out will we go to a dallas stars game that saturday watch a usc fight after we we have a fun night i wake up in the middle of the night in my truck and i forgot to turn the heat on and i was fucking freezing monday morning comes that's when the weather started and half of the shop workers come in guys like i don't think we're gonna be getting your truck today man i'm, I'm sorry okay Tuesday. So I've been sitting here since Friday, just sitting and fucking sitting in my truck, air frying meat, watching Peaky Blinders. Tuesday, the whole fucking parking lot's a sheet of ice. Pipe burst. The whole entrance is covered in ice. Nobody comes in because nobody can drive. Wednesday comes around. They look at my truck. So somebody finally was able to come in. My truck gets looked at. It was just a computer glitch. Nothing was wrong with the fuel sensor. Sick. That took and that took until the end of the day. Thursday finally comes around. Logan shoots me a message. Hey man, you good to drive? Fuck yeah. I'm ready to fucking rock. All I've been hearing about is doom and gloom on the news. Food stores are empty. Blah blah blah. State's gonna fucking implode. Power this. Fuck Greg Abbott. Blah blah. You name it. It's everything like this. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to get in the fucking fight. I, I, you know, cause I know, I know what's going on. So I go to, he tells me, okay, 
call he goes call New Braunfels you know see see what the plan is so I call him they tell me just drive straight to Temple Temple is about halfway between Waco and Austin and I'm like you sure you want me to just bobtail that far they're like yep everything we need coming out of Temple Texas it's a grocery distribution center I get there I, I get into the gate I'm rolling down 35 by the way all you got is two lanes to slow roll down, and and then it's all still ice. You can play hockey on the motherfucker. And I'm in the guys are slow rolling, and we're at, we're at a three lane part, and you still got fucking clowns, tractor trailers. He flying by, going 55. Saw him on his side, a couple miles right up the road. So it took me a while to get down to Temple. It, it still wasn't safe to to really be out on the roads. I get there, guide the gate. You're the first truck in here. You're, you're here to pick up a Walmart trailer? Yeah. You're the first guy I've seen in three days, man. I'm like, well, let's, let's, I'm pumped. Let's go. He, and then he's just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Let's me in. I go to the dispatch office. Hey, you ever haul a reefer before? I just say, I lied. I said, yeah. And a reefer is just a refrigerated trailer. It's no different than the, a regular dry van trailer, except you just have to add diesel fuel to the fuel tank if it gets low. It's not really that hard. But what's funny is it was so cold, the reefer unit, uh, the reefer units on the trailers don't didn't even have to kick on because it was below 28 degrees. So my first load is I'm taking a reefer trailer and it's going to three different stores to be live unloaded with. That's how much they that's how different they had to pack their trailers. They had to unload and reload trailers because of the dilemma going on with all these stores. All these stores had to get rid of their food. So they couldn't just send one trailer to a store because there's not enough drivers to send out guys just to send one full trailer. You had to send partial trailers to other stores. And I was going all the way down. I went all the way down to Corpus Christi and hit stores in that area. And it just blew my mind because I was down in Corpus Christi and down in Brownsville back in at the end of January. And it was 85 degrees. And now it was 25 and it was wild, but it, it was it was one of the proudest moments, being that first dairy, being that first frozen food that was getting off the trailer. The workers, these people were out there grinding, these Walmart workers coming in, working in the fucking dark. I give these people the utmost credit. There was so much good work going on in Texas. You guys have no idea how hard these people work. The people in the warehouses, the people in the distribution center, the people in the Walmart. It got me fucking pumped up. The next thing I did after I brought that reefer back to Temple, water. The biggest thing was water, water. There's a Niagara bottling plant in Seguin, Texas, just east of San Antonio. I was taking trailers of water up to stores, back up to other distribution centers. Nothing but water, going out, pumping it out. Everywhere needed water. And that's what we. That's all I was doing is pumping out water. Eventually, everything thawed out and things kind of went back to normal. But that that week... Of fucking out there grinding, delivering food, delivering water to these stores, seeing these people out there fucking busting their ass. I fucking loved it. And I, that, that's when I knew I was just like, I knew that this was the fucking career for me. Like where you could see it, where you could see your work having a result, where you could see other people's work having a direct result. And I was honored to have that opportunity. Well, the weather got warmer. The ground thawed out. Time moved on. We keep trucking. I found myself at the Waco Distribution Center for Walmart. I'm going in. Another driver's coming out. Long story short, we started having a conversation. He's like, hey, man, you going back to Arkansas? And I said, I don't know. Pam's trucks say Arkansas on the side. So that's why he goes, oh, I'm headed back there you know, right now. I was just seeing if you were going the same way. We end up having a, a good conversation. And you, you, like I said, you'll have that when you're out here on the road. Drivers, they like to talk. I mean, you're alone for a lot of your day. So, you know, having a good conversation, that human-to-human conversation is sometimes what people need to keep them from going insane. We're talking. At the end is when he starts talking about the company he works for, R&R Solutions. Okay. He's like, hey, man, look, I don't, I don't want to waste your time, but you look like a guy who deserves a good opportunity. This is my logistics manager number. Go back to episode one. I talked to you about how I joined the Marines. Friend of mine, he doesn't even talk to me about the Marines. My buddy Kevin, he doesn't even mention it. And then at the end, gives me the card. Hey, man, 
if you're interested. Could be for you. Almost a similar situation. You know, we're talking over 10 years later. Happens right again. You know, right before my eyes. And I, and I kind of took it as such. So I did. I called the logistics manager. And then now I'm at a crossroads. Do I stay with Pam? Complete my year? So I don't have to pay that loan? Or do I go with this new new company that's a little bit smaller, a little bit more family-oriented, more money, cooler routes, going different places. Look, I'm just going to be honest right off the right off the rip. I did the math of how much money I would make between taking the job in the end of the year, how much I had left in the loan, and how much I'd be making at Pam. I came out ahead if I took the new job. It was that simple. Things were going okay with Pam, and I was on a good cool rotation, but I just couldn't pass up the opportunity with R&R. In the end, and I'm going to be generous with this, I have to give Pam three stars out of five. Why? Because I left Pam better than how I found it, and I believe that since I left, they have continuously been getting better. Their employees, they've cleaned house over there throughout my time there and they've brought in a crew including a new ceo of people who i think are doing what they can to make pam not just a starter company for people getting their dicks wet in this industry but a company that people can stay with or maybe lease a truck with and make money from there and that's where i'm going to leave it with pam i've brought you up to speed with where i'm at now currently a driver for rnr solutions this is a fantastic company we're going to get more into detail about starting off with them in my everyday life now in my current role and where we're at going forward and we're just going to continue to shoot the shit while i'm out here on the road and i know this is a long one but i can't let you go without that where am i segment where am i right now at time of recording i'm actually not that far from Wytheville, virginia where i was for episode two i'm in wythe county in a little town called rural retreat virginia has a population of a whopping 1,483 people as of 2010. There's actually really nothing, not that much history here. All it is is a former railroad depot. However, the most notable person from Rural Retreat, Virginia, is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Charles T. Pepper, who's claimed as the namesake of the great beverage, possibly one of the greatest beverages, Dr. Pepper. Lastly, I want to thank you guys again for listening, and I want to thank you for your continued support. I've gotten so many texts over the past week, week and a half from people asking me about, you know, when's episode three? And man, man it's, it's, it's good to hear from you and hear how you're doing and hear everything going on. Because as you get older, you do, you lose touch with certain people. And that's the whole reason why I'm doing this is just to connect with some old friends, meet some new ones, and hopefully make you laugh and give you a little insight about Maybe something you don't think about every day. But until then, hey, we'll talk soon.